Hello everyone, Jordan here. I first like to apologize for not releasing any episodes in the last month. We were having problems finding more voice actors for the stories that we have for season two. And not to mention we were just having a busy month and so we had to put the season on hold. But we are back with more terrifying stories and there will be more episodes releasing in the future. But if you or if you know someone who would like to give voice acting a try or you have a story that you would like us to narrate on this podcast, please email us at chambersofhorror12 at yahoo.com. Again, that is chambersofhorror12 at yahoo.com. And this podcast contains strong language and graphic details of violence. Enjoy the show. for our stories today. So, if you're ready, then here we go. So, the first story of the day was written and narrated by your favorite prisoner, T.J. Richardson. And this story is titled, Not My Mommy. It's amazing. Now tragedy can happen on a completely normal day. There's no bad omens or storm clouds. It could be a bright blue sky day and sunshine all over and your world can be turned upside down by one horrible event. I was at work doing the usual tasks when my supervisor came over and asked to speak to me privately. We walked to the break room and there were two police officers standing in the room somber looks on their face. They pulled their hats off and informed me that my wife and my five-year-old daughter had been in a horrible car accident. The officers drove me to the hospital, 
as I was in no shape to drive. I walked into the room my wife was in and broke down into tears. She was wrapped in so many bandages and the few spots of skin I could see were severely bruised. My wife was in a medically induced coma but would wake up over time. I walked over to her and grabbed her hand. It killed me seeing her like this. Then the doctor walked in and told me I could see my daughter now. I wasn't sure if I could handle it. I could barely see my wife like this. There was no way I could see my darling Nora in such shape. The doctor walked me over to Nora's room and I could feel my heart beating out of my chest. When we entered the room, I was very surprised. There were no bandages on my daughter, not even a scratch. The doctor informed me that she had hit her head, but ultimately suffered no significant injuries. She was in a coma as well, but the signs seemed good as she would wake. She looked so peaceful, so much like a little angel, and I thank God he kept my little girl from harm. I came over and got in the bed with my little girl and held her as I fell asleep. I woke up to a nurse telling me that my wife had awoken. I got out of the bed, not wanting to wake my little angel. I rushed over to my wife's room, and though I could only see one of her eyes, I could see it was filled with joy that I was there. I'm here, honey. I'll always be here for you. Don't worry. Nora is safe. The doctor informed us that as much as it was that it was a miracle that Mary had woken up, she had some serious damage to her brain. My wife would never be able to talk again, and her motor skills would be very fragile until many hours of physical therapy. I looked at my wife, tears in my eyes. It doesn't matter what we have to do. I will be here for you. After a few months in the hospital, I could finally take my wife home. My wife could walk, but still needed help getting most places. We had to get used to a new form of communication as she could no longer speak. And since her motor skills were shot, sign language was out of the question for now. So I would just try to guess what my wife was trying to communicate with me through her gestures, and she would nod if I was in the ballpark. Once I got my wife situated home, I got the call from the hospital that my daughter had woken up. I was thrilled. I jumped in my car and raced to the hospital to finally see my little girl's eyes open and see her smile. I walked into her room and she yelled, Daddy. I ran over to her and gave her a huge hug, and I kept kissing her head, so thankful my daughter had made it through this. I thanked the doctors and nurses for all their hard work, and then brought my daughter home. We walked into the house, and I was so excited for my girls to see each other again. But something was wrong. When I walked into the room, my wife seemed confused. She seemed distant towards our daughter, and I felt awful for both of them. I took Nora to her room and sat her on the bed. Then she said something that broke my heart. That's not my mommy. I looked at her, tears in my eyes. Mommy was in a real bad accident with you, honey. She may not look like your mom right now, but that's just because she was very hurt and she has some serious owies. Your mom knows it's you. She's just confused right now. Don't worry, sweetie. I kissed my daughter's forehead and I tucked her into bed. I turned around to see my wife standing in the doorway, a cautious look in her eyes. I got up and took her by the hand and led her to our room. Mary, I know you've been through a lot. I can't imagine what you're going through, 
Could you please try and just smile for Nora? She's confused too, and she needs her mommy right now. Mary's eyes filled with tears and she nodded. I kissed my wife and we went to sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night to a light from the hallway hitting me in the face. I got up confused and turned over to see my wife was no longer in bed. I went to the hallway and at the end of it, I could see my wife standing in front of Nora's room, just staring into it. I walked closer to her and noticed her hands were balled up in fists. I whispered Mary's name and she turned to me. Her eyes were filled with anger. When she saw me, they went back to hurt and confused. Mary, what are you doing? Nora is trying to sleep. We need to let her be. I will check on her. You just go back to bed. My wife looked into the room once more before nodding and heading back to bed. I went to Nora's room to see her sitting up in the bed. She looked at me and whispered, That's not my mommy. And my heart broke again. Nora, honey, I promise you, mommy will be herself again. She's just having a really rough time. Mommy was hurt pretty badly, but we will get her better. I kissed her head again and went back to bed. When I woke up in the morning, I went to Nora's room and woke her up and got her dressed. She had a play date with one of her friends from school, and that girl's mom was looking forward to helping Nora get back to some normalcy. I dropped her off and headed back home. When I walked through the door, I was greeted by madness. Photo albums were scattered across the floor, pictures thrown everywhere. I came into the living room to see my wife staring at multiple pictures of our family. She looked up at me, and I could see rage in her eyes. Mary, what the hell is going on? What happened, honey? My wife just looked at me, pain in her eyes. I looked at all the pictures, and in every one of them, my wife's eyes were stabbed out. She kept giving me picture after picture, and I was confused and scared for my wife. I calmed her down and gave her the pills to help with the accident. She fell asleep and I called the doctor and explained just what I had walked into. The doctor informed me that this is understandable given Mary and Nora's accident. Mary was blaming herself for what happened to both of them. The picture were Mary's way of taking out on herself without causing herself actual pain. He told me he would get me in contact with a psychologist who could help my wife. I thanked him and went out to grab Nora from her friend's house. She ran up to me and gave me a big hug and I thanked the friend's mom and we headed home. We walked into the house and I feared the worst, but nothing was wrong. My wife was just sitting at a table working on her physical therapy. She was trying to see how long she could hold a pen, our first step towards trying to be able to com really communicate. I took Nora to bed and came back out to my wife. She had managed to write a few scribbles, but nothing legible. I kissed her and brought her to bed. I woke up to the sound of my daughter screaming for me. I jumped out of bed to see my wife standing in my daughter's room, a butcher knife in her hands. Mary, what the hell are you doing? Put the knife down. My wife turned to me, tears in her eyes, and then she ran at our daughter, ready to plunge the knife into her.
I ran and tackled my wife right before she could stab our daughter. We wrestled on the floor, and I tried to get the knife from Mary's hands. She kicked me off, and she stood above our daughter, knife raised, ready to bring it down. Before she could attack our daughter, I kicked her down, and she fell forward onto the knife. The knife had pierced my wife's chest. Blood was pouring from the wound, and my wife had tears in her eyes. She looked me in the eyes and mouthed the words, I love you, slipped me a piece of paper, and then passed away. I didn't even have time to mourn my wife as I had to get my daughter out of her room so she wouldn't have to see her dead mother laying there in a pool of her own blood. I took us to the living room and called the police. They took my wife out of the house and ultimately decided that it was an accidental death. They gave me their condolences and wished me luck. My daughter grabbed my hand and gave me a big smile. And then she led me back into the house and played with some of her toys in the living room while the cleaning crew took out the carpets from her room. One of the cleaning people came out to me and gave me a screwdriver, saying it was under my daughter's bed. I looked at the size and realized it was the same size as the holes that were stabbed out of our pictures. I then remembered the note my wife slipped me, and I pulled it out of my pocket. I read the note, and fear ran down my spine. I looked up to see my daughter staring at me, a wicked smile on her face. And then I realized my wife's note was right. Whoever this was, whatever this was, it wasn't our daughter. Anyone's gonna want to babysit that child. Well, maybe I would, who knows. <laughs> so the next story was written by Shanir Ula and will be narrated by your least favorite prisoner, Jordan. And this story is titled If Something Smells Nice, Start Worrying. I work for a small newspaper company, and I usually just write about things happening in the community. One story, though, got me particularly interested, and it was about a woman who lived in filth. Her neighbors have been complaining about odd, foul smells coming from her house. It isn't the type of story that I usually do, but it was different, and that's what got me interested. When I got to her house, I could clearly see from the front of the house how filthy it all was. The thought of going inside started to become a regrettable decision. 
I mean, first encounters count, right? I didn't mean to be so judgmental straight away, but looking at her house gave off this sort of impression that this was a person who didn't look after herself that much. I also talked with some of the locals, and what they told me about her didn't give off a good judgment of character. This woman was clearly out of touch with everything around her. At the same time, I wanted to know more about her, and me being a nosy person, I couldn't help but want to know more about her. Clearly, something had happened in her life to make her live like this. I had already called her to make sure she was okay with me looking into her life, and she agreed to show me her way of life and to explain to me why she lives the way she does. The filth had a stench, and I was surprised that she hadn't died from any bacteria or virus because it seemed like the right environment for bacteria and viruses to survive. Her mental state was questionable. She had old cassette and VHS tapes all over the place, which, you know, doesn't really exist anymore. When I asked her why she lived like this, all that she could tell me was, that as long as filth smelled the way it should, it is all good. God, everything was a mess, and I don't know why, but it kind of all got me being grateful for all the things I had in my life. On the other hand, I am sure someone with OCD would love to clean every speck of this place, and with everything out of order, it told me that her life must have been out of control. Things were broken, and she survived on government benefits and had some inheritance from her parents. I could hear small things moving around, and they must have been rats or some other fucking animal. It's weird how animals could survive in such mess. I guess their immune system must be better than ours. Actually, now I think of it, this woman's immune system might be amazing at this point because how, how long has she lived in this filth? She then told me about her parents, and she was brought up in a five-bedroom house. She also had two younger siblings, which made me assume that her siblings had nothing to do with her, which I was gravely wrong about. I tried asking more questions about her upbringing, but all she told me was, just go to the house of my childhood and notice how the filth gives off an amazing aroma. I then went to her childhood home, and I could clearly see that it had been abandoned for many years, and Mother Nature had clearly took over the house. It is sad how houses begin to go under after they had been abandoned, and it reminded me of the only thing I remembered in my sociology class before I changed courses to journalism. It's people that give meaning to buildings, and materialistic things, not the object itself. Without hesitation, I kicked the door down so I could clearly see that the front door was past its prime. From what the house looked like, I had expected odor and stench hit my nose. But instead, I got to smell the most amazing aroma I ever had to smell in my life. So, after I had enjoyed the smell, I then started searching her childhood home for anything interesting to find. This woman's childhood home was exactly like her own house, and I don't know why, but I started to become more irritated by this woman. For my generation, we are finding it difficult to even buy a home. Even if someone from my generation has even managed to buy one, it is so hard to keep it maintained. Yet this woman has managed to live in a big home when she was a child, as well as having her own house, which clearly she had decided to neglect it. It is so unfair. But, I guess that's the way how life goes, right? It was just such a pigsty, 
and I was beginning to find it all predictable with the neglect of having any care or pride in one's own life. I don't know, maybe her parents were abusive and I wondered more about her siblings? Because now I wanted to know why she was so alone in the world. We all need someone, no matter who we are. But then again, loneliness is a big problem in Western civilization. We even have someone in the government whose main job is to tackle things like loneliness. Loneliness becomes more apparent as we get older. And this woman was old now, and with the inventions of social media, computer games, it has made loneliness even more stronger. The only good but odd thing about this woman's childhood home is the nice aroma and smell. So I decided to follow the aroma because I couldn't resist it anymore. This could be smelt most from behind the sofas, and you know how in cartoons... When one cartoon character follows a pack of sweets all lined up because it was being set up, that's what happened to me. When I looked, when I looked behind the sofas, I gasped with horror and with utter disbelief because I never thought I could ever look upon something so disgusting and completely random. I saw four skeletons still giving off a perfume smell. And this is not the type of smell you would think death could give off. I mean with the amazing smell present, you would think something was full of life to give such a scent. I went back to see the woman. I didn't call the police just yet because I wanted to know more and I wanted her permission first of how to proceed with everything I had just found. When I had told this woman of what I had experienced in her childhood home, she started tearing up. Instead of calling the police, she just turned on the VHS player and I started to watch an explanation video. The first thing that popped up was a man in a lab coat, right next to some freshly dead bodies. I am Dr. Rogerson. Here I have invented a pill that can make any corpse starts decomposing, he usually starts to smell, but with this pill, a rotten corpse will smell so sweet that you would want to devour it. After watching the video, a few thoughts came to mind. Yes, the pill would give the dead person a bit more dignity by smelling nice, and will also help people who deal with dead bodies like in hospitals, funeral homes, etc. But at the same time, this might be a great advantage for a murderer. Like when I was in this woman's childhood home, I honestly didn't think I would find something to be dead. Do you see how this might be an advantage for a serial killer? And now I understand why this woman lived like she did for such a long time. I feel bad for being so judgmental. And now I realize... I know who those skeletons belong to. It was her family. And this whole time, I thought they abandoned her. And now I know why she's been living in filth. So then I had the courage to ask her a question. Is someone trying to kill you? I asked this woman. She then started to cry and explained that her family were conducting an experiment to take this pill 
which would make their body smell better than ever before and never have to worry about personal hygiene ever again. They were struggling financially and didn't have any extra money coming in, so Dr. Rogerson assured them that they would pay off all of the bills. So, as you would imagine, they accepted the offer and began the experiment. After the woman and her family were done with this whole ordeal, they went home to get a good night's rest. However, during the middle of the night, someone broke into their home. And she watched as this mysterious man brutally murdered her entire family while she was hiding in a secret cupboard that her dad built for her. And then for weeks, this strange man stayed and observed the family's corpses as they all started to smell nice as they decomposed. She overheard his conversation on the phone with someone, and they wanted to use this pill for war in other scenarios where death is common. If something smells nice, no one ever thinks something has died. But she managed to escape, and I couldn't believe what I'd just been told. This wasn't an ordinary story, mind you. It's arguably one of the biggest and most terrifying scandals in the 21st century. I had to write about this and get the story out. So, I decided to call the police about the four skeletons in this woman's childhood home. Something had to be done, and this woman deserved justice. I hugged her and she pleaded me not to go to the police, but I decided to go against a word. So after everything, I went back home because I wanted to go sleep in my own warm, cozy bed. But as soon as I walked in, I started to smell that sweet, familiar aroma. I cautiously followed the scent which led into the bathroom, and when I... And when I walked in, I saw a dead woman who I didn't even know lying in the bathtub with cuts and bruises all over her body. I nearly vomited right there. And then out of nowhere, my pocket was buzzing. It was a text message which read, Watch your steps. I thought about the woman, so I drove back to her place as soon as possible. I rushed in, and again, I immediately had that familiar sweet smell slithering back into my nose. I looked around, and I saw her lying on the living room floor, blood surrounding the poor woman, in which appeared that her head was caved in. I sat there, dumbfounded, and definitely afraid. I didn't know what to do. That's when I got another text from an unknown number, which read, Check your mailbox when you get home. See you soon. So, that's what I did. I went back home, 
because the police never came to the woman's place. But as I pulled up to my driveway, I sat there, hesitated for a good long minute. But I walked over to my mailbox, opened it, and sure enough, there was a small envelope that had my name. I ripped it open. There was only one thing inside of it. A bag with a small black pill. I don't think I'll be sleeping tonight. I have for you today. Please come back here soon. I'll have more stories ready for you here inside of my chambers of four.